0: Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. So, uh, for the last couple years, um, I've been pursuing music like full, full on. And you gotta understand like, you know, I'm 45 now. I know I have the, like the body of a 28-year-old. It's obvious, right? And a mind of a sharp 14-year-old. But uh, no, I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get older. And then, because my dad was always out, right? Always preaching the gospel all over the world. Three weeks out, one week back. Three weeks out, one week back. My mom basically raised me. Like, I don't look anything like my dad. My dad was like 5'10". And you'd think he is, he's, you know, Chicano if you saw him, you know. He was like, me the loco across his chest. But he was not Mexican at all. But people thought he was, and he 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 ran with that up and down California. That's that's he was in and out of L.A. County Jail for years and years, and then he went to San Quentin Penitentiary for a long time. And he got out, and he got saved, walked into Teen Challenge in Los Angeles, the first Teen Challenge here with uh, with um, David Wilkerson and all that. And when he stepped in, he met a, a, a young man by the name of Andre Crouch, and Andre Crouch is the guy who who brought him to his daddy's church. And his dad is, is and I remember my dad saying, I never understood why that black man would take me in and treat me like his own son. He's like, you know, he would just bring me in. And still, even when my dad got, went off and became a preacher, Andre's dad would call him up and ask him how he's doing. And he learned the kindness and the love of God and the dedication to his life by Andre Crouch's dad. It's incredible what love does, right? I want to talk tonight just uh, briefly, because I know... Only got you know maybe 15 minutes. <laughs> you know what it, what it means that a preacher looks at his watch? Nothing. <laughs> it's like I don't even have a watch on. So now I'll try to make it cool because I know everybody's got probably work tomorrow and stuff. But uh, listen, man, I've been doing songwriting and and that's something that I, I really have just had to really figure out for myself my father was this crazy street preacher and i'm like man i don't have my dad's testimony you know i wasn't shooting dope in my arms i was raising church playing transformers in the front row you know like i didn't have his story and he would tell me that he'd be like brandon just be you and nobody else be brandon and nobody else my dad loved me and i had a great relationship with him but he was always gone and so i decided hey you know what I'm going to give my life to my kids. I'm going to be the dad who is like soccer dad, coach. And I've done all that. And pretty much it's a race against two things, your hairline and wrinkles. So if you can, if you can, if you can outdo that and still make it, you just slide in. You're like, yeah, I made it. I can do this. But no, for real, I've been pursuing music. And crazy doors have been opening up in the, in the field of music. And so what I wanted to do is... I didn't want to just, like, write Christian music and be in my own little Christian corner. I love worship music. I write worship music for a living, you know. I have a record or a deal with integrity music down in Nashville. And so I'll always worship. I was taught to worship my mom. Just, that's my heart, right? But something inside me is like, dude, it's healthy. It's good for the church. But what about going outside the church? The whole point is to be the light to go out into the darkness, Right? So we come to church and we need the worship, but I feel like there's a season coming and I feel like revival is breaking out through like Asbury and different things. But what God is doing, I feel, at least in my life, I feel there's a forefront, a new move coming where people are coming out of the churches. It's like Sean Foyt says, Church has left the building, right? Well, what about music? Music has got to leave out of this place and it's got to get into what? Mainstream. People are like, well, what are you talking about? Well, I thought that's what Christian music does. Yeah, in its own little corner. Christian music's got this own little thing, well, its own little market, its own little radio stations. Why is that? Why is that when LGBT can have whatever they want to say on on mainstream radio? Why is it they can talk about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and vulgar explicit things on regular radio, and I can? Yo, sorry I'm bringing up Kanye, but if Kanye can do Jesus walks, right, You can take away from my record if I say Jesus. Take away from my spins. and That takes away from my ends. You know, at least I'll forgive my sins. You know, the whole thing he did. Yo, he did it already. So why is it that we have to be like, no, I have to write just solely this. No. So what am I trying to say? I'm doing what my dad did. In the same way my dad would sit outside of a bar, he'd he'd walk up to pastors. If he was here for a revival and he was still uh, living and breathing on this earth, he would say, pastor, Where's the worst neighborhood in your city? Take me there. That's where I want to go. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. But I'm trying to do it with music. I'm trying to write songs that go into mainstream market. That all of a sudden somebody's watching a a, a, something in a theater and they're like, "That's a cool song." They Shazam it on their phone. Who is this? It leads them down to something. This dude's a Christian artist. See, but we have to write music that sounds familiar to the world that they can understand and comprehend that doesn't sound over-religious, you're like, well, wait a minute. You're, you're, you're diluting the gospel, Brandon. No, I'm not. Because let me show you something. Pull up the scripture here in Acts chapter 17, guys. All right, check this out. Paul was in Athens. Everybody know who Paul is? Man, we gotta have a hard time if you don't know who Paul is. <laughs> I'm start questioning Pastor Omar's teachings. <laughs> Past, Pastor, or not Pat, Paul, right, was written three quarters of the New Testament, right? He's where we get most of our theology from. He basically, let me just give you the Brandon Reed uh, translation rundown here quickly, right? The non-religious kind. He was in a part of, he, he got, basically got moved and pushed to another part of, of Athens, right? Because he was like causing some, causing some ruckus and what he was doing. So he went to Athens and he's walking around Athens and he's checking out all of the idols that, they, that are set up in the city, Like, if you go there today in Greece, right, you can walk up there, and there's just tons of artifacts, and you can roam around. Literally, they had about 30,000 gods that they worshipped. This is like, you know, Athens was an area that they could go to, and it was like the university of the time, right, where all the thinkers were. Everybody went there to just philosophize. That's where the, you know, Socrates and Plato, all that stuff comes from. Well, here Paul is walking around it and kind of just investigating the city, and he goes to the markets and he's preaching the gospel and he's in the synagogues and he's talking back and forth about this Jesus, this Messiah that has come, that he's risen from the dead. And so quickly, he, as he does in every city he goes to, because he's a really smart, educated Jew that met Jesus on the road to Damascus, right? Had this crazy conversion, but he was super educated. Pharisee of Pharisees, he knew his stuff, right? And so they come up to him, And I'll just read, verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. He was like vexed, man. Like, dude, what is this? So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of, how do you say this, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Dang. Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the... I'm gonna skip that word. <laughs> Basically, smart dudes that knew a lot of talking in a council... Uh, where they said to him, may we know what what this new teaching is that you are presenting? I feel like I'm I'm like on a, like, (laughs) Wheel of Fortune or something. I'm like bringing up numbers. (laughs) May we know what this new teaching, I'm reading like this. Uh, (laughs) You're presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas, right? You're bringing these whack ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. Right They're like, "What the heck you? Te- who is this guy coming into our place and you're bringing this, this new theology? All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Now do you know that in the synagogue, in the Jewish synagogue, it's built with like like sort of like staggered bleacher kind of like cement seats, right? where you're sitting down. And the other side of it, if you go to Jerusalem and Israel, You'll see these, these still-standing synagogues. The other side is facing the same way, kind of like a gym, right? And so that was because when they brought about the word, they debated the word back and forth. It wasn't like nowadays where I just talk and you just listen. It was like, no, you study the Torah. You weren't even, like, really supposed to study it by yourself. You're supposed to study it with somebody. That's how much they like, because it can mean something to you that it doesn't mean to me, and we talk about it, right? So that's what he's saying here. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the, there it is, Areopagus, and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. I see it, right? I see all your idols. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription To an unknown God. They had an altar. To an unknown God. There's actually, there was lots of them. And uh, this is so cool. Watch, watch what Paul does. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it uh, is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. Woo! This dude was bold. Paul was a bold dude. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations. So now he's he's taken to the school. Keep going. That they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him, now check this out. This is in quotes. For in him we live and move and have our being. Has everyone ever heard that scripture? It's not a scripture. He's pulling from I can't remember the dude's name. Six hundred B.C. He's pulling from the philosophers of Greek. A major dude that was like uh, Korean or something like that. Not Korean, Korean. God. So God did this so that they would seek him. Yeah. blah blah blah. God did this so that go back to the scripture before that. No, keep going. Next one, not the. Uh, I'm sorry, the one that says in Him we move and breathe and have our being. Next, next one. Yeah, uh, here we go. For in Him we live and move and have our being. That was pulled from a guy who was describing Zeus. He, he's pulling from their literature. And he does it again in Titus. He uses the same thing. So Paul is using the culture of the time to get them to understand, to unlock something, right? Pretty cool. Uh, So as some of your own poets have said, there we go. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Keep going, guys. I think that's all I gave him. We are his offspring. Anyway, my point is made. My point is this. Why do you have to limit yourself to certain boundaries when God has given you artistic expression? He's given you ways of taking things of the world and getting them to see it in a way that, see, because a lot of people aren't going to come through these doors. They're not religious. They ain't going to come through these doors. They are going to come to your church. They might. And thank God that they do. But you have to go out there. It's it's how what are you using at your disposal? This is a form of, of evangelism that's brand new, right? So, but I want to talk about it in, in the forms of the unknown God, right? I want to talk about, real quick, about the certainty of God. I want to talk about knowing God, right? Jesus said in chapter 17 of John, he says, this is a trip. Sometimes I just, if you stop and read the Bible, sometimes you read things that Jesus, you're like, man, that don't make sense. You just kind of move along. Right? This is one of those. John chapter 17, verse 3. You can pull that up, guys. It says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life to know you. This is eternal life, to know you, the only true God. That's a deep, heavy thing. Eternal life to know God. So we think eternal life is high and pie in the sky, I'm going to live forever, But there's an essence of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's something that we can begin to understand and know right now. It's an eternal thing that starts from the day that you get saved, and it never stops, right? So this is what I'm saying. I don't have much time. I just wanna say I'm kinda to the point here tonight, and that's this. There's some of you that were like me, that were bound by anxiety, Man, I, I was on heavy depression, heavy OCD in my life, intrusive thoughts like crazy, didn't want to take my own life, didn't think I was going to make, I was like, God, where are you? Cuss out, God. Went to all this help I could. But when I had an encounter with Jesus, that is the time that I was like, oh my God, you are real, dude. <laughs> you got to understand, I tried when I turned 30, all of a sudden, man, I was like, my wife's like, my husband's losing his mind. I never, ever thought two things. This is my shtick, okay? I never, I never thought two things in my life. One, I never thought I'd have twin boys, identical twin boys. I thought that was weird. Like, that's the thing you see in school. You're like, look at those guys. haha, ha, they're the same. They look the same. Me? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have that? Never thought I'd have that. They're almost 19 now, and they still look identical. Minus the cigarette burn, I give him one on his cheek when he was younger. But that's (laughs) I'm just playing. No, I I never, I I never thought. there's, there's, There's a small cigar burn on one of the sides. It was just a disciplinary thing. No, I never, I never thought that I would have twins. And I never, dude, ever thought I'd be diagnosed with a severe mental illness. What, dude? Are you kidding me? If you would have talked to me in my 20s and teens, I would have been like, man, what are you talking about? Like, you don't know Jesus if you have, if you battle depression. You don't know Jesus if you have anxiety or ADHD or bipolar. That's what I would say. But, dude, I didn't know. I didn't know, like, the physical, actual thing. Oh, there's a physical thing in my brain that makes. Yeah, dude, it is. And people, all, I go everywhere, dude. I go to Brazil. I go overseas. I go from city to city, and I share my testimony. And my job is to kind of wake up the church to be like, hey, dude, stop getting down on people and trying to cast spirits of, of, of depression out when a lot of it, it's like, it's a physical thing, man. It's a brain. It's your brain. It's an organ. And then people, they're like, oh, yeah. Well, hey, are you getting mad at yourself if you have diabetes and you have to take insulin? Are you getting mad at yourself if you have to take medication for allergies? right? Or if you have a heart condition, high cholesterol. But when it comes to the brain, oh no, that's immediately demonic. Let me tell you something. I struggled with that all the time. Is it spiritual? Yeah, it is. But it's also physical, man. It's both. We're physical bodies. We're born to this nature of a broken world in sin. We have to figure out. So when it messes with your psyche and you come to church and, and you go for prayer and nothing happens, you feel down. But I'm, I'm, let me tell you something this. I'm a firm believer, if you're here tonight and, and you struggle like, with mental illness, dude, you're my people. In the same way that my father could look into a crowd of people and spot a drug addict, a dope fiend, and be like, there he is, I see you with your little ticks and your this and that. I get it. <laughs> I see it, bro. Now, you know what I'm saying? There's people here like, dude, he's calling me out. I'm telling you. And you may think you may walk in and be like, oh, macho and this and that, but deep inside that thing has a hold of your life. That was me. It had a hole in my life, man. I struggled with OCD so bad. I was diagnosed with severe. I went on so much medication to the, way past the max, and I, I, my guy, my doctor, I had the best doctor in the world. He wrote me, "You're not going to hurt yourself, are you?" I don't know. He would just give me what I needed, and I, dude. I couldn't get past myself. I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. I had all the best preachers pray for me. I read all the books. I prayed. I fasted. I did everything. And I still had OCD, man. I couldn't shake it. It had me on my knees. It had me weeping. It had me like, God, just take this. I'm suffering. I can't do it no more. It was horrible, dude. It would take the best, hardest man out. I was a marathon runner. I would run. I enjoyed suffering. I loved to push myself. But this had a hold on my life, and there was nothing I can do about it, and I didn't understand why I was facing it. But I'm reminded when Paul says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So I delight in weaknesses. For when I am weak, you are strong. You cannot know, you cannot, listen to me, you cannot know and identify with people in this broken world. You can have compassion, but when you share in sufferings, you have empathy, man. My dad could reach out to the drug addict. Why? Because he struggled for 20 some 30 years. He couldn't kick it. But when he met Jesus Christ, it wasn't like all of a sudden, oh, he's just completely never again had any sort of sin in his life. No. What happened? He found Jesus. And what is the ultimate thing? He knew Jesus. He knew that he was real. I know who this God is. I may not have it all together, but the encounter. Paul, when he encountered uh, uh, on the road to, to Damascus, he met Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. I'm a strong advocate of, man, you got to have an experience with the Lord. You have to have, you have to know, dude. And if you don't know, it's okay. If you're like, man, I have questions. I have speculations. I have things that I, I, don't, I don't understand. The Bible is like, it says this and I don't get it. You're not supposed to just shun all those things and be like, well, just ignore all that and just believe blindly anyway. No, he wants you to come to him with that stuff because he wants you to come with the truth of who you are. You have, some of you here are like, man, I, I, I kind of just do the religious stuff, but honestly, deep down in my heart, I don't really know the Lord that much. And that's okay, but all you have to do is shed, shed your efforts, shed your, 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 your jacket that you're trying to put on, your ways and your works and your efforts of trying to do it right, and say, God, I want to know you. I don't know how. Would you help me know you? When you do that, dude, that's, that's, when it, that's when the magic happens. So for me, it took suffering to get me there. Philippians chapter 3, you're like, wait a minute. He's talking about suffering. I don't like this. But whatever were gains to me, this is Paul, now I consider lo- loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For the surpassing worth, I'm giving up every everything that I gained. I consider it trash for what? Everything is a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Knowing the god of the unknown knowing Christ Jesus my lord for those for the sake i have lost all things keep going i consider them garbage that i may gain christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law from my efforts that's not where we get our righteousness but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to, there it is again, know Christ. I want to know you, Lord. Some of that in your heart tonight, you're like, dude, you feel it, you can't express it, but I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Woo! Dude, what are you talking about? Participation in his sufferings? Yes, that's what Paul's saying. Becoming like him in his death. We gotta die to that thing, man. That thing that's holding you down, that addiction, pornography, whatever it is that you can't kick, guess what? You're human. Of course it's gonna get on your flesh. Of course it's gonna get in your mind. But what do you want? Do you try to come to church and work it out by your own efforts? No. You're coming. I want to know Christ. God, I'm tired of the way I'm living. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. I'm trying to make everything. I'm tired of it. I want to know you. And I want to know this power. Right here, dude. I want to know the power of your resurrection. And if I have to participate in suffering, so be it. Becoming like him in his death for what? Somehow somehow dude attaining to the resurrection from the dead dude paul was a dude who struggled he talked about the thorn in his flesh he talked about man i'm trying but god put this leash on me to pull me back from being conceited and he stuck this thorn in my flesh and man i pleaded with god god please take this from me Please take it from me. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, I'm going to boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ, listen to that. I will boast more, all the more, about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Dude, that's the word of God, man. That's the word of God. So I know it ain't like a popular thing talking about suffering, right? But there is good news. The good news is that He has a call on your life. He's called you. Are you going to suffer forever? No, man. No, you're not going to suffer forever. But He's called you out. So tonight, this is what I want to do. If you're here and you're like, Rock, Rocky, can you come play the piano for me, please? If you're here, just play, play that one song, uh which I think was really prophetic, by the way. Um, You were worthy of it all. You were worthy of it all, right? For from you all are things, and to you all are things. That's basically what we were reading tonight with Paul. And in him we have our being. I was like, oh, that's cool. So (laughs) God does little things like that, you know? But, dude, listen, man, I, you may may be here and you're like, dude, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm cool with things. I don't have anxiety. I don't, I'm not dealing with that. But listen, I told the Lord before I left, I said, God, I'm going to kick the devil in the face tonight. And, and I'm tired. I'm tired of him messing with people. And how does he mess with you, right? All right. So there's the physical attribution of why you're going through some of the things. Not everybody that has depression is clinically depressed, okay? Not everybody. Depression is just part of life, man. But cl- people who are clinically like, I, there's no reason for me to depress, but I am. Dude, I get, to, I get you. I know, what, I know exactly what that's like. Like, ah, why am I this depressed feeling? I can't shake it. What the heck? It's, it's your body. And you don't have to be afraid of that. God, the Lord knows. He knows where you're at. He knows your thoughts, right? We think, oh, but if God only knew. He, he already knows. <laughs> he knows all your dirty laundry, man. And he still loves you. The devil comes to what? Bring condemnation. Oh, look at what's, what you are. And you can never come back. That's just too filthy. You've done it again and again and again. He's a schemer and a liar. He likes, he's smoking mirrors. He just tries to get between You and the Lord, and He just tries to distract you and say what you're not. But you need to know who you are tonight, and that's your child of God, and He loves you. You're made in His image. This world may have its way with you for a little bit. You may experience things in life that shook you to the core. You may have kind of born into a propensity of having some mental challenges. That's okay. It doesn't make you any different. In fact, it makes you a genius, it makes your mind like a superpower to where God can take that weakness and turn it around for strength. Honestly, that's what it is. I don't believe in disorders. I believe in like, you just have a brilliant mind. And you need to let God just take that and take, take the weight of that. So if there's things that people have said to you, your family, oh, you never amount to anything because they don't understand you, guess what? God understands you and I understand you. If you have anxiety that you can't shake, You go to bed at night and you're like, man, I'm tired of feeling this anxiety, it won't go. Yes, it will, it will. may take a little time, but guess what? When he walks with you, guess what you get out of that that little bit of suffering, right? That little bit of, you get two things. One, you get to participate to see what other people feel like, so you can have empathy and then two, you get to have an intimacy and know God through it. God, why, why, why? When I was 35 years old, I'd come off medication on and off. (laughs) I'd stop taking it. Be like, man, later for this, I don't need it. And I would crash hard. And uh, I realized when I'd sit there in my doctor's office and he'd throw down a big old fat... <laughs> Two things. My son ended up being diagnosed with exactly what I had, which was a real hard thing for me to, to, to do, to bear, my son Asher. And he... I tried to coach him with what the, the, the experience that I had, but it wasn't working because he's not me. See, if, if we put people in the light of how we see them, like in our image, and we put that jacket on them, and we, they're not us. You try to fix them, make them like you, you might kill them. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, we need to see people as the way that they are. Let them come the way they are. And then draw them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus And then support that around them. A lot of us are like just trying to force ourselves, including with me, with my son. I remember walking to the doctor's office and he opened up my son's little pamphlet. It was like, you know, all of his records were like a few papers. And then it became my time because we we shared the appointment. He'd slap like a big old encyclopedia. Slap! Here's mine. Just, you know. And I looked at my son and I'm like, and, he, and, and the doctor's like, well, you can, you can thank your dad for some good DNA, you know? <laughs> but it was an experience that I had with my son, too. Dude, I learned not only for myself, but I learned how to guide and love my son. And so when I was 35, I'm going to close with this, I, I had been fasting, i have been praying, and I was at the end of what I felt, that's all I can do. And at the same time, what I love to do is I love to run marathons. I love to do a long-distance run. I was about 40 pounds lighter than I am right now. And I go my, on my long runs on the weekends. And I would run about, you know, when you, when you kind of like titrate up a little bit towards your training, you're running like 18, 17, 18 miles straight on the weekend, and then you kind of tape, taper down. So I would do that, and I would enjoy those times because I would be by myself running Kind of like, you know, I could just think, and I would just cry as I ran. Because I was, my mind was so tortured with this OCD that I had. I just was so broken, and I would just be like, I cried to God, I'd been, I'd just stop and just, ah, I mean, it was horribly tormented in my life. I remember running back to the house on my long run, I sat down and on the curb there, and then this is where the enemy comes, okay? He, this is how He works. You have a sickness or you have something like that in your life, it brings you to a point and He whispers in your ear, is your God real? He don't real. He brings doubt. He's a liar. And then He whispers to your ear, you're not gonna make it. You're gonna die. This thing's too big for you. You might as well just give it up. Because imagine trying everything that you possibly could for a long time and you cannot kick it. And then this feeling of like, death swarms you and suicide swarms you. I know that feeling. And I know there's people here tonight that have felt that. But let me tell you, I went home that night and I used to just take my medicine and I would love the evenings because I could take my sleeping medicine and just check out. I could check out and be like, yo, I don't have to think about it. When I'm asleep, I'm good. But when I wake up in the morning, thing's heavy. I have to do everything I can to get going. But I went to bed that night, and I before I woke up, I had a dream. How many ever have some tripped out dreams? <laughs> You're like, I don't know, you gotta do. Dude, not to say that every dream is like, thus saith the Lord, because some of our dreams are just kind of crazy, right? But sometimes, man, you have these dreams, and uh, like my daughter actually— funny enough, before I came up here, she called me in the back and she's like, dad, I had a dream, just randomly I had a dream that I was up uh, and I had this piece of paper in my hand and somebody came to me and they they, they were saying, hey, look at the piece of paper and, 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 and she looked down and she looked up and the guy said is your name, Avi- what's your name? she says, Aviva, and, and she says she says, oh, oh, well, I'm your grandfather like she had this and, you know, ra- random dream I thought that was kind of cool So who knows about dreams? I'm not saying, you know, but for my life and my experience, I woke up the next morning after that long run and I said, I I woke up from that, a a dream, which was this. I had a dream that I was laying down in like this grassy field next to a river and (laughs) saw a rainbow on the other side. (laughs) And I hear a voice, Brandon, Brandon, come over come over, Brandon, and I, I recognize the voice, but I wake up from from my, my sleep, and immediately I feel that heavy depression, and just that I can't do this any longer, but the Lord says, Brandon, come pray to me again, and that I've been praying, 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 and I have a little space in my house. At the time I had, uh, and when I moved to Texas, the market was really low, so I could afford like this really big house, but I couldn't afford any furniture in the rooms, so I just had like a 4,500-square-foot home, and like two rooms are furnished. But one room I had was a media room, because in Texas, everybody has a media room. Everything is big in Texas. And behind that, I had a gym with like mirrors, but nothing's in it, just a ceiling fan and like carpet. So I'd go behind, go into one door, close that door, and then go back into the gym and close that door, and I'd shut it, and I'd cry out to God. I don't want my wife hearing me. she think, he's lost, it. he's a nut, Right? And so I would just sit there and cry, and, and cry, and cry, cry, and just, and my father-in-law was super into um, uh, teaching uh, Christianity of, like, discovering your Jewish roots, right? So he gave me, like, a tallit, you know, like a prayer shawl, and I would wear that. Dude, you could have given me anything. I would have tried anything. I'd be like, what? <laughs> give me some crystals. Give me whatever. <laughs> I was desperate, right? But I, I I, put on, I put on, I'm just playing, but I put on this, this tallit, And one thing about me, you know, I'm just, dude, I'm just playing. But I put on this tallit, right? And I put on the tallit, and I started to to pray. And I'm like, God, I got my Bible out. I'm like, Lord, God, please help me, God help me. Take this, take this away from me, God. Please, God. Lord, I love you. Lord, you know how much I love you. Lord, I've served you all my life. I've given my life to you, Father. I love you, but please, God, take this. I can't take it no more. Dude, that's the type of prayer I had. Snot, all the effort, everything I could, laid on the line to where I'm exhausted, dude. How many have ever prayed like that? to where you don't, it's like, dude, you don't have an option, man. It's life or death. So I'm praying. Then I lay down, man. And I'll never forget it. I'm laying down on the carpet and I'm watching the ceiling fan go around and around. And all of a sudden, I started to think about Jesus in a different way than I normally would think about him. I thought, dude, he felt just like me. He felt just like me. They broke him. They laid him down. Why do you think he cried out on the cross, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me, God? Jesus was saying that. They broke him, his spirit. He was crushed. And they're driving nails into him and torturing him. Ah! And I sat there, and in my world, I identified, I recognized The brokenness of Jesus. Right? What Paul said I want to know him, the resurrection of his power, and share in the sufferings of Christ. They go hand in hand. And so I'm sitting there and I begin to just see Jesus like me. And then I sat up, man. And I leaned against the door, and I took the prayer shawl off, and I wrapped around my neck, and I leaned against the back of the door because I didn't want my wife to come and kick the door open. I wanted something to stop it just in case she tried to come in. And dude, I'm just going to tell you how it is. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, as I was sitting down, I had a thought, a vision in my mind go like this out of left field. I never would have even thought of this in my life. Uh, And it was a vision of my grandmother. And my grandmother was like this white haired, tight curled lady with these piercing blue eyes and she loved Jesus. She would go out with my dad. My dad called her m- mother and they would go to the streets and my grandma was the grandma who like when it was testimony time coming up on church she'd be like, she'd grab the mic and be like, let me tell you about my Jesus. He is so good. And she, she would just go on and on. You couldn't shut her up. And all And my dad loved it. They like fed off each other, right? I was sitting there in my brokenness, and all of a sudden, my grandma just flashes through my mind. And all of a sudden, dude, I thought I was full of the Holy Spirit, and I think I was growing up, but not like this, dude. All of a sudden, my body started to shake. My shoulders started to shake. I couldn't control myself shaking, but out of my mouth, I I got on my knees, and out of my mouth erupted tongues. Uh, just came out, I couldn't control what was happening. Now, some of you here are like, man, that's crazy, dude. A possession, what's going on? This is weird, dude. Yeah, it is weird. But when you're in like fight or flight mode when you got nothing else, and another like power comes and it shakes you to the core, dude, it changes the game. Right? You're like, what the heck? This is real. Dude, the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues, the power, when he takes over, it's the same power that touched my dad in, in that attic church in East L.A. when he was, when Sonny Argonzoni reached over his big panza across the pulpit and he laid hands on him and my dad went down he said like electricity shot through him and he just started weeping and speaking a language he couldn't understand. Dude, not one effort of me that, that was just completely like immersed. Like it, I felt like erupted out of me like violently with force. And I feel like it was Jesus saying, I got it from now here. So this is why the only, the only person, the only person that can magnify Jesus, the only person that can magnify God is the Holy Spirit. He's the only one. Your efforts are gonna fall short. It's only the Lord. He's going to do what He wants to do. And it's at the point of surrender where you're like, God, I don't understand why you go through the things we go through sometimes. I don't get it. I have a lot of questions when I get to heaven. and be like, God, what's up with this? But what I do know is undeniable. Like Paul said, the, the unknown God. Dude, if that's you tonight and you feel like, man, I haven't had that experience in my life, what am I going to do? Am I going to lay hands on you? Are you Are going to fall down and have the same experience? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe it comes in a still, gentle voice. Maybe it comes like as a day-to-day thing. Why? Because each one of you are individually different. He knows exactly what you need. So stop putting all this pressure on yourself to do that. But if you're broken like me, I do want to pray for you. I do, because I feel like there's something special on my life that God has put in my life. I don't know what it is, but like, I I just have an ability that he's put inside me to see that heaviness and that burden fall off of you which we're dealing with anything mentally struggle. I don't care what it is. ADHD, bipolar, schizophrenia, tick disorder, OCD, clinical, you know, depression, whatever it is, all of the above, it's a mixture, you know, I had like a few different things. <laughs> right? Whatever it is, dude, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. And you don't have to be shy about it. You don't have to be shy about it. You have to be like, what are people going to think? Who cares what they think? Do you want to be better? You know, do you want to be better? So here's what we're going to do is, I know we're running over time. I'm not going to take the time to do it right here in the service. But I'm going to give this back over to Pastor. But I want us to sing one, one song. And then after that song, if there's something that you would like me to pray for you in regards to, you want to do it? Who wants me to do it? Okay. Okay, cool, cool, cool. It's getting late. It's getting late, but I just want to respect. And if you, if you got, you know, for those who got to go, I want to, I want to respect you, because I know you got work and stuff. But I, I, I truly feel like, dude, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. You're like, well, what if I, what if the, the doctors are saying they want me to take medicine, this and that? What do you think God gave doctors brains for? It's called science, and it's like, it helps you, dude. (laughs) And not everybody has to do it, but it's okay. Just because you take medicine doesn't mean like you're a lesser of faith, right? Not at all. So, so yeah, let's bow our heads. Lord, I just thank you.